What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. Before we jump into an awesome and insightful conversation with Mr. Mori, a few quick announcements. Numero uno, new shirts are in the shop. They turned out so great. The wife and I just got a couple in the mail, and I'm super excited with both the quality and the design. So please go snag yours. Tag me on the Instagrams. Find them at vanguardstories.com. Snag them. Let's see it. I love it. Awesome. Next thing, numero dos, ratings and reviews. Gosh dang, I appreciate all of you if you haven't yet please take just a second to rate the show it helps push the project in front of a greater audience and uh, gives me some warm and fuzzy so please take a second to rate the show numero trace today's episode is brought to you by mountain primal meat company mountain primal is a beautiful ranch out of colorado that produces some high quality highland cattle meat they stand for all american values and that passion blends into the quality of product they put out uh, of those products my favorite is their fuel sticks like most of you i'm super busy running around scheduling recordings actually going to work and uh, trying to get outside as much as possible the fuel sticks are indeed the perfect size and source of food for you on the go. Uh, they are perfect to uh, throw in a bag, your pocket, uh, a backpack, a purse, whatever the case may be, to get a solid source of protein while you are running around. So be sure to check them out at mountainprimal.com and use a Vanguard for 15% off. That's code Vanguard for 15% off your first order at mountainprimal.com. But enough chatting for the day. Let's roll it. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. Uh, for those of you new to the show, my name is Austin Jardine, and uh, I'm just some dude that loves to uh, sit and talk to people. I like to get their stories, understand uh, a little bit more about them, kind of deep diving into how they got to where they're at, what they're doing, sharing their stories, hopefully in a way to give you some tools to tackle life with. Maybe you get excited about something and uh, maybe you find a new passion for you to chase after. With that being said, I've got Mr. Mori Abreu on the phone with me, and he is the chief instructor of Alpha or Omega Protective Concepts, which is funny because I wrote it down because I knew that I would get excited because this is the second time you and I have talked, but Omega Protective Concepts, and you you do a lot of cool stuff. We've talked a little bit kind of leading up into it, but you're married, father of six, you've got a company that does all sorts of crazy cool close quarters combat, uh, training tactics, hand-to-hand. You do hand-to-hand as well, Right and then just a variety of other things. So I'm super excited to chat. And I think I've had like too much coffee because I can feel it jittering a little bit. But anyways, how how are you doing, man? I know it's late recording tonight, but I appreciate you hopping on. So how's it going? Absolutely. Everything's great. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate uh, and excited to be here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the quality of your podcast and the quality of the characters of those you bring on. So it's an honor to be here. Well, I appreciate that, man. And it's funny because every time I see Omega, I always think Alpha and Omega. And it's it's kind of the biblical thing. And I know that as you and I have talked a little bit and, you know, you're wearing the Lord is my rock shirt. And I've, I've just made that connection with you and Omega Con- or Omega protective concepts. And so, yeah, it's just funny kind of thinking about that. But um, if you don't mind, you know, I know that you and I've talked and you've got a lot of really neat life experiences that I'm excited to talk about and kind of share your story. But do you mind just giving a, an overview of who you are, introduce yourself, and then I'll just start interrupting you if that works? Absolutely. Yeah, man. So, Moria Abreu, 
as you said, I own and operate uh, Omega Protective Concepts, which is uh, my company that I uh, launched to leverage and transfer the skill sets that I have garnered over the years to others, uh, whether we actually started training exclusively law enforcement and military folks only, and then sometime later we decided that you know, the value of a human is not relegated to their resume or life experience. And uh, your wife, your daughter, your niece, uh, your uncle, your dad uh, should be equipped for success against the real unfortunate but real um, events that are violent events that occur. So we equip people for success against violence in every realm and against every form of attack. So that's what the company does. Um, I'm based out of New Jersey, uh, born and raised in New Jersey. Uh, we're unique in that we are a travel to train company. So we go to our clients. I'll be in Connecticut on Saturday. I'll be in Delaware on the following Saturday. Uh, we've been all over the United States, um, this year. So that's kind of on the, on the business side, uh, personal side, like you said, married, my wife and I have six, uh, children. Uh, we now have Wi-Fi, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, you know I was raised here in uh, in North Jersey, actually, in a pretty uh, very toxic, actually uh, toxic, violent, uh, abusive, psychologically and physically uh, household. And I think we spoke uh, offline previously. How I never really shared that previously. Uh, because of a number of things. I convinced myself that nobody wants to know that, uh, which is really uh, a limited view of thinking. It's actually, it's actually a form of ego that masquerades as humility because the reality is many, 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 many men, uh, people, but in this case, men have suffered some form of trauma and either out of uh, guilt or uh, shame, we don't share it. And so it's not a it's not a, a pity show. It's just like, hey, man, look, I went through something. My story's not more important than yours. Everybody's been through a version of a thing and we can still have success in this life. You can still have happiness and joy. You could still be a worthy and, and successful uh, business person and, uh, you know, uh, a, a service to your community, a father, a husband. And so uh, that was kind of my upbringing. I went into the Marine Corps. I knew I wanted to serve since I was probably four. I knew I was going to join the military. And um, I uh, got out of the Marine Corps and I got into law enforcement. I worked in the uh, prison systems for a number of years. And then I was uh, post September 11. After September 11, I was uh, selected amongst just a few other thousand folks out of 200 and some odd thousand applicants to work for my agency that I do now, uh, conducting counterterrorism operations around the globe. And um, that's what I've been doing ever since. Yeah, dude, that's a lot. I have so many questions. I'm taking notes so that I, I can keep track because I, I, you know, you and I talked like you, like you said, offline and there's so much there's so much to go through here, which I, I'm really excited about. So if, if we could just start at the, at the beginning. So when you said that you grew up in the, you know, the toxic environment and, you know, a, a abusive kind of all around, 
one thing that I've, I've heard, so I come from a, a, a healthy background, right? You know, I come from a good family. So a lot of these things I don't have first experience or firsthand experience with. So it's interesting for me to ask and kind of learn more about it. But I've heard that when you're in a toxic environment, it is easy to fall into the cycle of that and hard to break out. So having someone or having been someone that has experienced it and then moved on from that, I guess, what were you able to leverage to break out of that cycle, learn from it and, you know, kind of not kind of continue down that path, if that question makes sense. That's an excellent question. Uh, I would add to that, to you know, to stay a free man, because violence is like a seed that once it's planted, um, the roots go really deep. They don't just disappear. They don't just go away. They have to, that energy has to go somewhere. Right. Um, and so what I did was I was actually, you know, I say I was saved in, in many ways by boxing okay. and gave me an outlet. I started, I was really young. Uh, I had done the traditional martial arts journey. I did not like it at all. Uh, it wasn't fun. I did not like the, I was not sure on discipline. I didn't need discipline. <laughs> I was up to here in discipline. It was, it was forced. Right. Uh, and so in my, in my household, so, um, the aspects, uh, and the attributes of martial arts, I love martial arts, my kids in martial arts, I have nothing bad, nor will I ever say something bad about martial arts. What I'm saying is I was then and continue to this day. Uh, I've always been an outlier in, in a sense, and I've not necessarily fit uh, in any, you know, box, uh, and, and martial arts just really wasn't for me. I didn't enjoy it. I was bored and I didn't know then I know now is I needed more contact. I needed something more physical. And, um, I found boxing at a very young age. I think I was about 10 years old and it was cathartic. It was therapeutic. It was heaven on earth for me for the hours upon hours that I spent there. Um, when I was waking up literally at zero dark 30, like before it was cool to wake up at four 30 in the morning, I was doing that. Right. <laughs> um, and it, it wasn't because I was disciplined because I'd be lying. If I, if I, if I presented myself as a disciplined young man, a uh, boy, actually a child, uh, it wasn't, you know, any of the like cool things that we want to hear from, uh, you know, the honorable warriors that we respect and, and, and aspire to, to emulate, it was um, therapy. It was yeah. awesome. It was, um, it was what the people I look up to these men, I was a child, literally these men uh, that had this ability to use violence, let's say their hands, right? They were tough. These guys were from the streets, most of them, really tough upbringing. And they were, in many ways, they were gentlemen with each other. So they try to knock each other's heads off in the ring. But afterwards, they're giving each other tips and they're helping each other out. And they're like, hey, you know, you're dropping your left hand. And I just, that blew me away as a child, not fully understanding the maturation and the emotional intelligence of that. So yeah, yeah. Um, as far as... Uh, you know, kind of answering your question, one of the things that helped me release that, you know, I think it's Teddy Atlas once said, he said this once and I never forgot it. Um, he said, pressure busts pipes. 
pipes are really, really strong, right? Uh, but water can make them bust if you apply enough pressure. That's just how we are as humans and how, you know, kind of uh, things work, right? So boxing was my outlet for that. And then, um, you know, I was, uh, I was very much called uh, towards the military. And when I was in high school, I joined the JROTC program. And that afforded me the opportunity to really get into uh, the discipline that attracted me, which was conducting drill, you know, uh, the manual of arms, using the rifle, the color guard, uh, platoon drill, things like that, boot camp. Uh, those were the things that really uh, helped me towards this calling of discipline. I, I understood early on that that discipline will provide, you know, a form of freedom i know i know that's kind of a, a jockoism jocko was an expert <laughs> but but again before anybody taught me this on a powerpoint or a podcast i was discovering that there is freedom in being disciplined uh and so um i did that and then i went on into the marine corps which i absolutely loved and i was like wow there are many people like me uh, <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not that abnormal uh so that's kind of my journey into uh, leveraging this toxic environment that I'm in. The other thing is, or that I was raised in, the other thing is, you know, um, I am not someone that ever sells or promotes or markets himself as a religious person. I kind of cringe, honestly, when people call me religious. Um, however, I have been saved by grace. Um, and I love my parents. I love my, I love them uh, as best as I can within my, within the human limits of understanding that there were some experiences there that, that were not great on the side of my dad, but you know what, um, having kids now myself and living this thing called life, um, parents are not issued owner's manuals. So whether your parents are perfect or they're less than perfect, uh, oftentimes, and this is not an excuse for bad behavior. It's an understanding of it. They were probably doing the best they could within the context of what they knew. Um, and so I, I, I can, I can, uh, my, both my parents have passed. My mom was an amazing mom. She did nothing to protect me. And she's still one of the best people God ever put on this earth. I love my mom. Um, and I didn't discover actually until many years after she passed that my issue with her was, Hey man, you didn't protect me from this animal that literally whipped flesh off of my body. Like right. we, you understand? So, um, yeah, through forgiveness and just moving on and getting over myself. Um, I, I am, I'm allergic to victim mentality because everyone has a story, man. Listen to me. Everybody has a story. <laughs> everyone has suffered. Everyone has been taken advantage of in some way, shape or fashion. And in order for us to be the best versions of ourselves, you have to get over yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a couple thoughts coming out of that. So you talked one, a lot about discipline. How do you define discipline? I guess in context of this conversation so far. Um, I, I would say discipline is doing what is necessary, even if it's uncomfortable. Okay. Discipline is who you are when no one is looking. Okay. So then to build off of that, you talked about, um, 
I guess, kind of coming around to forgiveness and kind of the emotional maturity to look back and say, this is why I was upset with you, right? Or why I had a hard time growing up or why I held the grudge, for instance, right? How did you get to that point? Was that later on in life or was that through just the continued dedication and persistence of mastering oneself in a way to use another Jockoism? Yeah, that's an, that's an excellent question. So what happened for me was I was raised around a, a whole lot of religion, very, very, very religious family. And I'm grateful that I was introduced to a lot of these principles and concepts, but it wasn't doing it for me. I had, I had zero connection with God, zero, uh, outside of fear, which is not a connection. See, I don't want my boy to fear me. Um, I want him to respect me, um, but I don't want him to fear me. I don't want to engage uh, building a relationship, a bond of fear. I don't want my instructors fearing me. I don't want my business partners fearing me. I want them to respect me, but fear is a horrific template for building a real relationship. And so for me, you know, many years uh, down the line, I was already uh, in my thirties. I, uh, you know, officially uh, made a declaration and uh, intention to surrender my life to my Christ, to, to God, to Christ Jesus. And so that started this journey of exploring the same uh, religion, if you will, Christianity. I wasn't raising Christianity per se, but Christianity in kind of its rawest form and in a biblical based form, kind of understanding it outside of how the world teaches it, outside of the, um, you know, uh, motivational speakers that mas that masquerade as gospel preachers that are really famous and they're good people. They're they're not all bad, demonic, horrible humans. They're just uh, not giving you the full story. And I kind of went through my own spiritual journey in that sense. Alongside with that, I got introduced to other people that were exceptionally successful in the marketplace. Uh, I got plugged into this community of people of very wealthy. Um, people that had a lot of money. They knew how to recreate money. They knew how to make money work for them. Concepts I was never taught. We're never, none of us are taught this unless we invest in an entrepreneurial journey of, you know, going to certain seminars and trainings that teach this kind of stuff. And, um, and uh, many, many, many of those folks overwhelmingly had some significant trauma as children. Um, like, crazy stories and so i said wow this is a real thing and this life is a journey and we can we can make a decision as to how we leverage those experience to be better and do better we could stay in the box some people use the term the matrix we could stay in this box and live like the 98 percent or and this is kind of putting uh you know a cherry on top of this of my answer or putting a bow on the answer to your question, what if I had to summarize, I understood and fully embraced the concept of the 2% mentality, okay. being a 2%, which is look at what 98% of society is doing. I learned this specifically, there's different folks that teach this, but specifically I learned this from Danny Johnson, uh, D-A-N-I. She's an exceptional human, human with a, a very torturous, um, you know, horrific, childhood and journey and went on to be very successful, exceptionally successful, is you look at what 98% of society is doing and you do the complete opposite of that and you will be unusually successful. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Was that hard to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, was that hard to adopt the, the 2% no. mentality? No. no, I felt like I found, I felt like I was, there's a few things I believe I was placed on this earth for as far as hearing a message. I felt like I was placed on this earth to hear that message because it resonated with me. It's who I already was. It was just an unrefined version, sure. right? Uh, very rough around the edges, uh, very intense almost putting off like I didn't know what to do with this thing boiling inside of me this energy right this aggression like where do I put that you know and then then I you know in the Marine Corps you're you're an ethical warrior right if not you're just no different than the enemy and in law enforcement and in counterterrorism same thing you have to channel that for good like you can't just cook off so like what do I do with that and and how does that apply in this thing called life. So this two percenter concept was perfect uh, for me to understand and embrace. It made immediate sense. I couldn't get enough of it. And I am in a relentless pursuit of looking to adapt that in every single aspect of my life and at a higher level. Sure. Sure. Okay. So maybe a similar, but different question. People that have a tendency that try to do maybe a 2% thing or something that goes against the grain, especially now, right. Seem to get kind of kicked in the teeth. Did you experience that at all? The people that were kicking me in the teeth. uh, When I kind of went in even deeper with this 2% mentality, were already kicking me in the teeth. They just weren't showing me their feet. Right. So so the people that um, were in my life in a more significant way at that time, um, you know, I was I've always been kind of people that love me, love me a lot. And the people that don't really know me or or, you know, maybe we're co-workers, but you know, we don't really interact. It's kind of like, who, there's something about that guy and I don't have it figured out. So I'm going to keep him at a really far distance. Sure. The reality, I'm, I'm full of love. I want to help people. Uh, I'm not perfect. I'm not, I do not sell myself as an angel, but I've got a really big heart for changing, like changing the world and having massive dreams and massive goals and generationally changing the trajectory of me, my family, my kids, my children's children's children. And sometimes people don't know what to do with that. Right. So when you embrace, you know, in this case, we'll use the terminology, the vernacular of two percenter mentality, um, all that people in the 98 percent that choose to cement themselves further and anchor themselves to that 98 percent journey that they're on, um, they're all they're going to do is be separated more from you. So there's a higher level of judgment and. Some of it may be unspoken. It then kind of comes out a little bit. Like, I don't know. What do you mean you don't watch television? Uh, What do you mean you don't, you know, um, you know, eat this or do that? Or um, you mean you don't spend two hours a day invested in watching the news? You have to know what's going on in the world. Like, you don't invest in self-toxic, you know, uh, in in ingesting toxic information that will do nothing for you. And you can do nothing about, right? Um, what do you mean you change the world at your house, not the white house? Like it starts in your house. What does that mean? Like 
you know, so yeah, when you start, when you try to share and I'm a passionate person. So when I say something, it comes off at times very dynamically. Some people interpret that as aggression. Sure. Uh, some interpret confidence as cockiness, which is really their lack of confidence. Right. So, um, yeah, there definitely is going to be a separation, a kicking of teeth, and you just got to be okay with it. As yeah. long as here's where the issue comes in. As long as I know that I am no better than any of them, I am not better than, you know, the overwhelming percentage of people that I know are 98 percenters. I, I am not better than them because once you start getting into this, I'm better than you mentality, um, you are really just about you. That's just your ego and your pride. And how can you possibly reach down and bring someone up to the next level if you have this kind of mightier than thou, uh, you know, pontificating kind of way of communicating <laughs> people and just being an asshole, right? right. It's really difficult, right? Um, I can get my, my, my teenage, as of today, I have another teenage daughter that just, be, just turned 13 today, right? I can communicate with my girls, for example, as the super strict dad um, that's just unapproachable and they're scared when I walk in the house and all they're going to do is do what they're going to do behind my back and I'll never be a resource for them when they need me the most. Right. Or I can be the kind of dad and I'm not saying I'm going to write a parent, a parenting manual or book, but I've got some things figured out. And just last Tuesday, I get a call from my 15 year old. Uh, my wife and I did where she shared some very personal things uh, with us because she trusts, because I've built a relationship in my case, she obviously trusts my wife uh, for her to share that with her father. And it was not easy for her. So, um, the way we kind of go about executing this 2% uh, mentality and how we engage people is crucial because if not, you're just going to be a complete turnoff and um, you're going to be on even more of an island than you already are. Yeah. That's a, I, I love that. I think that's a great way to approach things. I think the one question I can think of offhand because I, there's a lot to <laughs> a lot to digest because it's super it's super interesting right because you're right you know there's a lot of things that do start at the home and I love the way of thinking about it that way in terms of raising kids right and then not doing the self-deprecating things that you know add no value but I guess the one thing I can think of offhand is if somebody is trying to step out of the 98 into the two kind of using this vernacular right what advice do you have for them uh, to maybe get into that? self-reflecting, self-benefiting, moving forward mentality? Oh, I would say that's a, that's a phenomenal question. Um, number of things, surround yourself by people that are better than you. So if you want to be in tip top shape, your friends better be in better shape than you. Yeah. Right. Um, so surround, you know, this concept, this idea, this uh, principle, it's a biblical principle, by the way, most things are, they get regurgitated by the globe in the world, most misunderstood book probably in the world. And I, I believe the best success, book, best success book ever written is that book. It's really overwhelming at times to kind of absorb, but tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. So you've got to surround yourself by people that are um, more successful or have attained the thing that you're looking for. The other thing is to break out from this 98 percent uh mentality is when you identify those people spend time with them learning every facet of their life who they are 
what their approach is, you know, who are they mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, like what makes them tick, what makes them run, and then latch on to what you know you're searching for to develop. You know what you're, everybody knows. If you do self-reflection enough, you'll discover what your developmental needs are. You know if you need to develop in a certain area and then find those once you find those people, ask them, be honest with them. Hey, listen, I'm really struggling with uh, self-control or my temper or physical fitness or nutrition or my faith. It's, I mean, it's very, I have a lot of faith at night or, you know, when the blue lights come on and I get pulled over, I become very attached to prayer. But outside <laughs> of that, it's not cool. And I don't want to, you know, spirituality is a very personal thing for me. And I want to be a covert Christian or a covert whatever, um, you know, how do I, you find people and then you anchor yourself to their approach and you find the one that works for you and understand. And the third thing I would say is understand that it's going to take work, right? If you want to do what's never been done before and you want to, excuse me, if you want to accomplish in your life what you've never accomplished before, you're going to have to do things that you have never done before, which means it's probably going to be difficult. And the reality is that you know, champions are not made on the mountaintop. Champions are created in the valley. Yep. That's a fact. And so hardship, uh, hardship is a blessing. Hardship is a blessing. Hardship is the route. It is the lane. It is the avenue to the mountaintop. And then once you get on the mountaintop, you can't camp out there. You got to find the next mountaintop the to dominate. One. You got to go back down, go through the valley, get dirty, scrape your knees, ask yourself, why am I even doing this? Do I even believe what I say? You have to have your faith challenge. You have to have your beliefs challenge. You have to have mornings where you wake up and you're like, I don't even want to do this, but you do it anyway. And then you forge, you know, a stronger sense of commitment within yourself and you achieve again, and cement this 2% mentality. This 2% lifestyle, like the mountaintop, is there's never an I've arrived moment. Yeah, it's right. A journey. It's a journey. Yep, I, I agree. not the same husband five years ago or five years from now that I am right now. If I am, I'm failing. Yeah. Right? I should not be the same father. I should definitely not be the same businessman. If you own a business and you've been making the same amount Every year for five years, you have stopped growing. Yeah. And yeah. You, can, you can blame it on uh, the people uh, in power. <laughs> I'll use that terminology. <laughs> you can blame it on all kinds of things. But how do how is it that the 2% are, regardless of who's in charge, regardless if there's a war, regardless if there's a, uh, I'll use the term pandemic, regardless if there's anything, they manage to continue to win. They yeah. never stop. Their focus cannot be derailed. There's something about that. It's worth investing in. It's worth learning. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of uh, one of my favorite quotes is uh, if you are, uh, if you find yourself uh, being the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. It's, it's similar, but you know, a little, little different. So, um, okay. So before we maybe move on into Marine Corps law enforcement, stuff like that, um, is there anything that you feel that needs to be said that you've learned up to, up to this point that's worth sharing? I mean, we've talked about 
a lot of really good stuff. Like I'm really glad that we're recording. So, so that I don't have to be scrambling, writing things down, you know? That's excellent. Yeah. I can't think of anything right now that, uh, maybe won't, uh, divulge itself as we get into my professional journey. Um, but I think, I think, I think, I think, well, I'll say this. Um, if you want to know who someone, I'm a, I'm a business, I own a business and I take it really serious. I'm not just teaching uh, strikes of the hand and strikes of the bullets. That's not just what I'm doing. And yes, it is an absolute calling. And yes, I believe I was put on this earth to teach people how to counter violence. I believe that uh, every breath that I take is attached to that belief system. That's how strongly I believe that. And that being said, you know, being in business, my job is not just to do that and be broke. Right, right. My job is to leverage this amazing uh, opportunity and leveraging these gifts that I have of teaching, the gifts of understanding violence, the gifts of understanding, you know, the complexity of the, you know, physiological response to threat and violence and, you know, being able to take someone that's been sexually assaulted, these are all real cases I've dealt with, uh, or physically assaulted where literally bones have been broken on, you know, in this case, a female's body has come to me for a class for, for training. And at the beginning of that training is literally trembling, trembling with trepidation, trembling with fear, trembling with discomfort, trembling, with unknown, right? And in one session, taking that individual and getting them to embrace the very thing that put them in the hospital, the very thing that almost broke them, physically, spiritually, psychologically, mentally, socially, to take that very thing, violence, and leverage that and use that to counter this repugnant, nauseating thing that put them in the hospital, that put them in therapy, right? right. So it's a beautiful gift. Um, you know, in I'm running a business. I own a company. My job is to multiply that story by a thousand, by 10,000. I need to find 999 other girls like her. That right. is my, and I can't do that staying small minded as a business person. So I say, if you really want to explore growth and you have it in your, you know, in your DNA, so to speak, to do that, invest in getting into an entrepreneurial journey, some form of a business so that you're getting paid outside of your nine to five. So you can escape, uh, you know, the, you know, kind of the context of what that is and be able to produce something for yourself, find what your gifts are, and you'll learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about who you are when you're tested. You learn a lot about not if, but when you fail. And then you just repeat that. And it's going to make you better as a human. It's going to make you better as a business person. And you'll be able to, you know, leverage that and use the growth of that, the financial growth to either reinvest in that business and make it bigger and touch more people and, or, you know, take care of your family, invest in your charities, what have you, but you have an obligation to do that. Business is an exceptionally uh, uh, impactful way to 
learn about yourself. And I, and I, I recommend everyone invest in some form of an entrepreneurial journey. Uh, if they so find it in, in, in their, in their being to do that, because the things and the lessons you learn there are very difficult to learn elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So with your skill in, in, I guess, being comfortable with violence, right. And being able to teach people to use that appropriately, did that level of comfort and training capability stem from time in the Marine Corps and law enforcement? I guess, how did you get to the point of knowing, Hey, I feel, feel called and, and have the desire to instruct people in, sure, a, a, in this way, you know? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So, um, you know, violence was not something I was comfortable with. I was very uncomfortable with it because it was very painful and it sucked uh, a lot. And uh, I was I had a lot of fear in my household, like a lot of it, uh, not just a little bit, but like a lot of it. And it affected every single aspect of my life, uh, my journey in school. You know, parents, I get it. You know, we usually parents a lot of times don't tell kids the things that they did when they were kids. My kids know exactly the kind of kid that I was. Um, some very well-meaning, loving people that absolutely adore me, uh, relatives want to rewrite that history and make me or others out to be what is not the truth because of the uncomfortability of the story of trauma, of toxic violence and things of that nature. And I get it. That's their journey. It's not mine. And so um, that violence bled into school you know i was a horrific student um and as far as my behavior and my attentiveness somehow i'd passed the tests um in fifth grade i got straight f's at the end of the year nice and they they passed me this is a private school by the way which my parents who were not perfect but neither am i worked four jobs to pay for me to get that private tra private education. So you see why uh, judging is not really the best thing to do because sometimes people are trying to just be the best version of the self and that best version of the self of themselves may just be a really, you know, not fully evolved uh, version, <laughs> right? And, uh, and they moved me along just to, they're like, yeah, we, we don't, we don't kind of want this kid here with us. And, you know, I had my principal tell my, parents you're really wasting your money sending your kid to this school like you shouldn't be paying for him uh he's going to be a gangster he's going to be a criminal he's going to end up in jail and so you know i had this in my home i had this in my school and um thank god for grace and and forgiveness because imagine if i still carry that shit in my heart with sourness like imagine right. that I couldn't be the best and I'm not the best because there is no an I've arrived moment, but I'm still searching, but I'm a better version of myself than I ever was. But if I was anchored to those shackles of judgment, uh, it would hold me back. So as far as violence, I was not comfortable with violence. I want to be clear about that. I was not like, oh, I just wasn't OK with it, but I did seek it out. I did seek contact and um, like I wanted to test myself like. I knew that in order to stop what was happening in my household, I needed to equip myself against violence. Now, no one had this deep philosophical conversation with me. Just inherently, I knew this. Yeah. Um, and then I think to kind of further answer your question, I, I knew that I had a gift for teaching. I actually got injured really young uh, when I was still 
fighting competitively. I think I was maybe 14 years old. And so I started assisting my trainer in training fighters. And I had a really, uh, I had a gift for that. And then ROTC in high school, there's a lot of teaching. I was constantly teaching drill or some military history or something of that nature. I was always leading. I, I graduated as a company commander. So I was running the whole show by my senior year. I was the executive officer by my junior year. So I was in charge of the drill team and color guard and all that stuff at different, different times throughout. So, um, you know, this idea of knowing that I knew how to teach and the fact that as much as I enjoyed teaching, I really found this niche of teaching people how to fight and how to defend themselves, protect themselves. Um, that was actually further cemented in my law enforcement uh, and military career. I was, you know, I'm a uh, certified uh, in a lot of things, both in the military and law enforcement in the realm of, you know, uh, physical security, hand-to-hand combat, close combat instructor, you know, chemical sprays, batons, physical fitness, that entire realm, um, you know, uh, tactics, um, small unit tactics, all of that, um, you know, undercover work, counter surveillance, that entire realm, the government has spent an, an insane amount of money training me to do. And I just, I ate it up. It's heaven. There's guys that uh, don't like going to training. That's, I don't know what's wrong with them, but I love, I love being a student. I love, send me to the school. I'll be a student and I'll get to teach that thing. I'm, uh, sign me up. So uh, my experiences in the military and in law enforcement and in the training realm, and having a legitimate, you know, teaching and training journey um, allowed me to, you know, leverage my desire for teaching people how to protect themselves. Okay. Okay. So while you were in the Marine Corps and working in law enforcement, then <clears throat> I guess, did you have like uh, a path that you wanted to go down? Like, Hey, I knew I wanted to go infantry or door gunner or whatever the case may be, or did you kind of go in with an open mind, taking whatever was given to you? Yeah, no, I was not open-minded, <laughs> uh, you know, it, uh, open-mindedness and, and me don't always, uh, go hand in hand in anything. I I'm kind of, uh, singularly focused. That's my, that's one of my strongest attributes and gifts. And sometimes it doesn't work out too well for me. Sure. Uh, and, uh, thank God I have a really, really strong willed wife that can put up with my shit and has her own story i sympathize with that excuse me i sympathize with that yeah my wife's yeah. my wife's strong-willed too yeah yeah and she's got her own journey she's a really tough girl bronx new york uh you know and has been in really violent encounters uh and if you see her you wouldn't know it because she's an amazing human she's very approachable very nice and she's tiny but she knows what it's like to get uh, jumped. She knows what it's like to get cut with a blade. She knows what it's like to perform a real firearm disarm when someone's pointing a gun at a loved one, and she's the one performing that firearm disarm. So there's a kind of an experiential um, journey that she brings, which is uh, really works out. We have an interesting uh, household at times. <laughs> um, so. Um, can you repeat the question, please? Yeah. Just going into uh, military law enforcement, open-minded. Did you know where you wanted to go? 
Yeah, no, open-minded, I am not. I would not say, I would not call myself an open-minded person. I have learned to behave in the boardroom. <laughs> uh, I've learned when to listen. Uh, I've learned, uh, you know, kind of how to be the, uh, the negotiation ninja. I've learned that that's, that's emotional intelligence, but open-minded. No, I have a focus. This is what I want. This is exactly what I'm going after. I just don't have to come at it with, you know, B-52 bombers. Like I can, I can stealthily approach this thing as long as it's ethical and it's good and it's noble and it's praiseworthy. I can be patient to get there and accomplish the thing I want. So I wouldn't say I was open-minded at all. Um, I knew I wanted to go into the infantry when I went into the Marine Corps because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in that realm. I wanted to be around weapons. I, run, I wanted to be around people that wanted to uh, have that experience of being, uh, you know, I wanted to be sleep deprived. I wanted to be stripped of my ability to consume food. I wanted to be physically taxed. I wanted to be you know, challenged and be made to be really cold and operating in extreme cold weather, you know, units uh, and things of that nature. I, I wanted that because um, though I can't tell you I had a smile on my face when I was experiencing that or that didn't absolutely suck or I didn't ask myself at times, what am I doing? Right. I knew it was the only thing that for me, for me, I was not motivated by a GI bill that meant nothing to me, nothing. It could have been 10,000. It could have been a million dollars in educational benefits that didn't even register with me, not before serving my country, being grateful. I'm a first generation American being grateful for the opportunities that this country has given me that I don't believe I could have had anywhere else. So uh, I wasn't open-minded. I knew I wanted to get into the infantry uh, and as far as law enforcement, I wasn't open-minded there, but this thing called life happens. And I wanted to actually uh, join the New Jersey State Police was my goal uh, when I got out of the Marine Corps. And based on the timing for their testing and a number of things, I had to wait and I had to, I had to get this thing called the J-O-B to pay bills. These weird thing called bills, which I didn't have in the military, right? Right. Um, because they fed me, they cleaned me, they gave me a place to, it was heaven. And so I, I, um, I actually had gone to a job fair and then I worked for the federal bureau of prisons. I said, I would never do that. Uh, I said, I would never work in the prison system. I had so much respect for correction officers since I was a young, since I was a boy, these guys have a really tough job. They're in there with the inmates, uh, you know, the immature and the ones that just don't know and the clueless maybe will not give a correction officer the level of respect in the law enforcement realm that they deserve over maybe a police officer. Uh, but I knew I didn't want to be there primarily because I had seen people, you know, in my family end up incarcerated. And I just I said I wanted nothing to do with the prison system. And I ended up working in the prison system and ended up being one of the greatest opportunities that I've been able to experience because I learned things about human behavior that I wasn't going to learn reading any book. And I've read all the books. I've uh, recommended these books to people. 
I've recommended the podcast. I've, I, I get it. It's important to have an education, but experiential education cannot replace, cannot be replaced. Yeah. And so the experience of being inside and understanding how people manipulate other people, both inmates manipulating each other, manipulating staff or attempting to uh, through the use of psychology and other tactics was a great experience. I was very young. I walked out of first battalion, eighth Marines and into the prison system, you know, a few months later. And, and that was a hell of a transition for me. Um, so I, I really knew that I wanted to get into the state police, but that wasn't happening. I was blessed to have a, uh, an opportunity to get picked up by the prison system. And then, uh, ultimately my agency that I am with now. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's a lot of life lessons that you were able to learn where all of those things, you know, the psychology, uh, the firearms, the freezing cold, the sleep deprivation. It, do you feel like that is all what brought you to the point of starting um, Omega Protective Concepts? It, every single experience contributed to that. I, um, again, like many things in my life, uh, you know, opportunities have been there for me. I just needed to own them. Sure. And so uh, I started working with a, uh, let's call them a self-defense training company. And um, they've, they've since gone out of business. Uh, as I understand it, their owner ended up being an exceptionally unethical person uh, with his business practices and now is uh, defunct in, and persona non grata in the community. But nonetheless, I got into this uh, group of really solid uh, uh, law enforcement officers that were very committed, very serious, very much in shape, very uh, violent and aggressive and understood how to use, uh, you know, people get really freaked out when they hear violence. Mm -hmm. And I understand, right? But um, whether someone wants to accept it or not, violence is a very real thing. And violence, depending on its execution, is what makes it evil or not, right? right. So, so um, I would not want any of my daughters that encounter a committed sexual assaulter to not fully embrace every aspect of righteous violence to defeat. See, I don't want, I don't, anybody that really thinks about this, you don't want, you know, whether it's your daughters, your wife, a, a, a woman, a female that you care about your mom. There's a difference. There's a difference. I'm, I'm, I'm more familiar than I want to be with sexual abuse, right? There's a difference between surviving a sexual assault and stopping an attempted sexual assault. Yeah. So um, violence is not a bad thing. But in this group of, of, of warriors and like-minded people, I, um, I ended up being the chief instructor for this company and, and writing. I actually developed their instructor trainer program, which is where we would bring people in and uh, certify them to instruct instructors, which is the highest uh, academic platform within the professional academic realm of training, which I did for about five years with my academy at a, you know, in a, let's call it an international counterterrorism center. Uh, 
we, you know, I train people that we're going to deploy literally around the globe and folks from outside of our country that were doing similar jobs in protecting, uh, you know, assets and a low profile posture, meaning they were there, but they weren't there. They were protecting. They didn't know that they were being protected. Right. And so, and so, and blending in and, and all of that and concealing weapons and, and, and what have you. And so, um, they were, most of these guys were local cops and they wanted me to address a niche realm of firearms. And they had questions, you know, uh, you know, these guys on SWAT teams and what have you, they had questions about, you know, I'm, I'm in a hallway, I'm in Camden, New Jersey, and someone presents themselves to me. They're not a threat or they're running. They're scared. They're an unknown. There's this thing called use of force, which, you know, uh, is a, which is what guides my, my response, my use of force response as, a, as an ethical law enforcement officer. So they had all these questions that they wanted answered. And what I had, what I started doing was I started training them in their departments. Mm. So okay. I was requested. So the business, so I, 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 I can't tell you that I had any desire to own a company that did this. Yeah. I just really loved teaching people how to stop violence and how to deal and manage violence. And I loved answering niche questions. And I, and I, I loved making it feasible for, you know, the officer that maybe is not the most athletic, that maybe is not, uh, you know, six foot tall and 250 pounds, maybe they're diminutive and they're fighting a two on one situation. The answer can be, Hey buddy, good luck. Call on your radio and hope backup gets there or, or use the highest level of force possible to defeat that because in my realm that comes with consequences so I, I i i was always a problem solver see um and i and i wanted to leverage this problem solving kind of skill if you will that i have within that realm and give that to people and then yeah. that turned into me teaching classes and i ended up teaching i didn't have any social media i didn't have an email account i didn't have a business number i didn't have anything for three years, all of my business was word of mouth. That's and awesome. the only folks I trained law enforcement and military folks. Okay. And from the, our extreme close quarter pistol course is like, that's great. I have to shoot my weapon. Awesome. My, uh, and I, and I actually was a, uh, I'm a PTC, uh, police training commission here in New Jersey certified instructor. And I've taught at the academies here. So I know what happens at the local level, the state level, the federal level and, uh, and beyond. So I'm very, I'm intimately familiar with this training journey, right? Um, I have a, I have an idea. Um, and so, and so what I started doing was helping kind of answer these questions. And then from there grew this desire to uh, do this as a business and actually do this on a larger scale. And um, yeah. Yeah. And that's what you're doing now, which is awesome. So yes. what, what classes are you teaching now that people, if they're interested or, or they're like, this resonates, I need to go. What, what kind of classes are you uh, offering now? That's a great question. So again, we're, we are building our new website and it's going to kind of really offer everything on there. But so in general, I would say if it's anything within the realm of hand-to-hand combat, meaning how do I defend myself when I don't have any uh, weapons within reach. I don't have a knife. I don't have a firearm. I can't own a firearm because I live in a communist state. Um, 
uh, I don't have a stick. It's just me. It's my bare hands. I'm coming out of, you know, wherever the gym and I'm in my shorts and I get approached by two people. How do I deal with that? So we have, we have that package. We have a ground package, which is how do we, uh, engage while on the ground. Mm -hmm. We have an weapon package, which it deals, which addresses dealing with folks that are armed with knives and you using a knife in a ethical, legal, and moral execution of force. Uh, same thing with uh, pistols, same thing with rifle, uh, home defense. We do uh, church uh, security and places of worship, uh, fighting in and around vehicles. So there are a few kind of staple classes that we teach um, and we offer. Uh, but the reality is that we're, we're not a niche company. We answer the question of how do I deal with a threat, wherever that threat may pose itself, whether it's in my home, in my car, or I'm traveling abroad. And how do I deal with that? If I'm armed, if I'm empty handed, if I have, if I have a weapon, if they have a weapon, and, and if it's multiple attackers, if it happens on the ground, if I'm standing or I'm seated. So that all encompassing kind of approach is what we use and we develop classes. So, you know, this week and next week, it's uh, this, uh, Saturday is specifically um, extreme close quarter pistol. The following Saturday is going to uh, deal with extreme close quarter pistol and weapon retention. So what that is, is, uh, taking a firearm that's been presented, either it was yours and it was stripped, it was theirs and it was stripped, you're fighting over this firearm, the firearm somehow, uh, you know, falls out of the holster or the, or the retention system of, the, of either individual and you have to deal with this weapon being accounted for. And what we will not do is have people chasing a lethal weapon. Mm -hmm. We will not have people leverage-based systems to manipulate the person that they are in this fight for their life with, exclusively using leverage-based system wrestling. Uh, what we will do is use obviously uh, good base, uh, you know, uh, uh, stand-up, uh, uh, stand-up grappling, if you will, is probably the vernacular I would I would use on that, and or ground uh, as well. Introducing striking. So how do I? access and what are the high value target areas of an individual how do i access them and how do i effectively strike from my back when someone is on top of me and we're fighting over a gun right like how do i do that when do i do that or do i just rely on my physicality and my strength and athleticism to wrestle over a gun and just hope right right okay okay and if people want to find you get registered get in contact you know, you've got your website that's in the process of being built. How, how, how do they get a hold of you? So our, we actually have a website that we've had for, for a little bit now that's up and running, mm -hmm. uh, omegaconcepts.com. But really, um, the easiest way to find us would be on social media. Instagram is probably the platform that I am busiest on, I spend the most time on. But it's Instagram and Facebook. And um, on Facebook, it's just my name, my first name and last name. So Maury Abreu. Uh, on that and on Instagram, it's bear with me. I actually have to check because I, I believe <laughs> I, I, you're good. I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make sure it gets linked as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. It's uh, it's Omega Protective Concepts on Instagram. Yeah, but I believe if you search my name, I'll come up on Instagram as well. Um, 
Our number is globally published for my office. So people can call me, they can text me, they can uh, send us a message via any social media platform, uh, messaging medium, and uh, we'll get you hooked up. We do private lessons. We do group lessons. Um, and we travel to train, which means if you get, uh, you know, X number of people, which will do the marketing and, and everything for you and the promoting for that course for you in your local area, I will fly out and uh, deliver the uh, the train. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, man. Well, I am fresh out of questions. Is there anything <laughs> left to be said for tonight? I feel like we, we deep dive like real good at the beginning, you know, and we just kind of stayed there. <laughs> so is there but anything that you, uh, you feel like needs to be said still that we glazed over that you feel, uh, feel like diving in again or diving into again? Here's, I guess just maybe a thought or two in closing that would maybe apply to a multitude of realms of our life. Not maybe fighting, but this, this season that we are in and it is a season, uh, is that only you can weigh the cost of action and only you can weigh the cost of inaction. And so when we're presented with a problem, whether it's an attacker trying to knock down our front door at three in the morning and you're half asleep, or it's an oppressive emerging uh, government, whatever it is, only you can weigh the cost of action versus inaction. And you must be decisive. You must be decisive. You must have a decision-making process that is what works for you. You have to decide if capitulating is your thing. You have to decide if fighting is your thing. And both of those can be done really bad and really poorly executed. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have to have discernment like no time before with what we say and what we post, not out of fear, wrong word to use, of what people are going to think, fear of who's going to shut you down, fear of cancel culture, but understanding this, if you call yourself a warrior and you're in the warrior class, which is not predicated on your resume, I know a lot of people, I train people that have never been in law enforcement and have never been in the military and they are warriors. They will fight for their standards. They will fight for their family. They'll die for their kids. To loop back to the very beginning of this conversation where we talked about delivery, like if you are unapproachable and you're just an asshole, you have a really amazing message, who's going to hear your message? You're cut. You have this amazing gift to share with the world, but your delivery of that gift makes it intangible, makes it to where unaccessible because people are going to shut you out. So when we speak the things we speak and we communicate the things we communicate, we have to do it in a way that is going to be received by the people we want most to reach. Yep. And that's all I got. Okay. Nope. I love it. That's, it's funny. Cause as you, t as you think about the, um, 
action and inaction and being able to weigh it. Uh, I think about those things, kind of losing my myself in that train of thought as to life now and what I'm looking at. So, okay. Well, I appreciate you, man. Um, thank you. It was, it was good talking. You're welcome. Yeah, man. Morning, man. Once again, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I really did enjoy talking. Uh, I feel like I took some really good things away as far as um, being able to step outside my comfort zone, break outside, um, maybe kind of the normal track of life and things to go be a part of a, of a smaller percentage to go really maximize my life experience with. I hope everybody listening, I feel like you guys did take some good insight away as well. Um, but I'm going to stop yammering. We will catch you next time. Everybody, you have a great day and we'll see you later.